0: This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. It's so good to see people that I haven't seen for a bit. I just want to give a, a shout out, a plug for Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is uh, an Assembly of God uh, ministry that actually is functioning very, very well. Probably one of the greatest hands-on uh, assistances that arrives on this on, on, at moments of calamity. Uh, just so you're aware of, uh, Convoy of Hope is watching what's taking place, and as it's started to come, come to the fact that there was going to be this hurricane that was going to touch, they already began to prepare. Uh, so yesterday, just so you're aware of, if you're giving to Convoy of Hope, if you just want to know information about it, yesterday uh, there were seven semi-trucks in the parking lot of First Assembly of God, Miami, Florida, seven semi-trucks, we're talking filled with water, blankets, food, sustenance to be able to minister hope and healing. And there are more on the way. And what's so important about that, what's even greater than that is they're not just worrying about Miami, they're worrying about Cuba, and they're in the process of trying to meet that need as well. So as you give today, as you give to Convoy of Hope, whether you're doing it present or online, Uh, you're you're, you're making a big impact. It's real-time giving. It's real-time ministry. It's not for a time to be. It's for a time that's now. And isn't that important? You know, I mean, it's it's not just something that's delayed. I want to, as Allie already promoted prayer and worship, it was such an amazing time on Wednesday night, probably one of the best we've had in I don't know how long. And it's not just because we've had COVID. It was a powerful, powerful night. Everyone say amen. If you were here, if you missed it, you do not want to miss the next one. We had really uh, backed it down. It was very simple. It was very... Very uh, simple in the worship style, very free in the prayer style, and God really showed up. God ministered to lives and people. Today is Connect Us Lunch, and if you are not signed up, you're saying it's too late. No, it's not too late. See Pastor Sasser. You know who he is. He's waving his hand over there, and you want to show up. It's at 1245 at our South Campus. You want to get to know us a little better. We want to get to know you a little bit better, and uh, we would love for you to do that. Right around the corner, a month from now, is a conference. We haven't done conferences for a long time. Everyone say a long time. And I know that sometimes people go, oh, what's a conference? That's a whole day thing. Can I tell you today, if you, uh, you do not want to miss this Armed and Ready Conference, not just because it's my brother Paul who's going to come and bring it, but I can tell you it is a pivotal, life-changing message that he wants to share. And uh, he's gifted, he's creative, he's funny, uh, he's knowledgeable, and you are going to get a jam-packed day full of teaching, and not just teaching that you have knowledge, but teaching that's applicable. So when you leave this place, you're going to grasp the armor of God in such a way that you have never grasped it before. And he's going to have, like it was already shared, I think it was on the video announcements, the whole authentic, uh, s- s- symbolic idea of what the Roman armor was. And he's going to be going through each piece of that armor. So you don't want to miss it. Make sure you go on and sign up today. Uh, Someone came in today and said, I've already looked at your message. It looks good. Thank you. Uh, And if you want to look at that message, go to our Bible app, go to the Bible app, and you're going to be able to see on there. If you go to events, go to Relevant Life Church, click on that, and it'll pull up all of our slides, and that way you can follow along as well as save them, and we encourage you to do that. Today, everyone say, Pastor Kevin, take a breath. (sighs) That was a lot. Did you feel like it was a lot? I felt it was a lot. Right. Hey, are you ready for today? Yes. Everyone say fight. fight. Oh, come on, fight. fight. You know, I think uh, as we come to this concept of this topic today, um, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about this sermon uh, today just because it's so applicable to you and to me today in our culture. Our culture is fighting a lot about a lot of stuff, right? They're fighting about a lot of stuff, whether it's on the news, whether it's politics, whether it's gender, whether, whether it's Race, whatever it might be, there are a lot of fights that are taking place today. And I want to bring today, I want to remind you of the most important fight that we can engage in. The most important fight that you and I need to be lining up for and stepping into to say, I'm going I'm to fight. Say, it's time to fight. Turn to your neighbor and punch him really hard in the face and say, get your fight on. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't punch him. But turn to your neighbor and say, get your fight on. Come on, get your fight on. I remember back in the day, uh, my mom still does it today. Doris Reich is going to be watching here probably sometime this afternoon. But uh, when we were, anybody have a your parent who you would bicker with? Anybody ever have a bicker or a fight with your siblings? Like raise your hand if you've ever bickered with your sibling. If you ever fought with your sibling, you know, um, uh, the, the, the bickering, the fighting. I remember that there would be stupid bickering and fighting. And my mom would go, stop your fighting, just stop it. Can I tell you today that my mom still uh, sometimes thinks that we as siblings who are full-grown adults today are fighting, and she'll call up and go, Kevin, stop fighting. You need to fix this. Does anyone still have a mom that still steps in to go, you need to stop this? Sometimes, right? Sometimes it's like, mom, just leave it alone. But you know, what it does is it draws attention to it to go, no, I need to be aware I need to be aware. Am I fighting for the right stuff? Back in the day, there was a cheer. Um, I w- almost, if I would have known that Bethany was going to be here today, I would have had her come and do this cheer for us and lead us in this cheer. But there was this cheer back at football games and basketball games. It was be aggressive. i want to say be aggressive. Be aggressive. You, how many remember this cheer? It's going to be on the slide here. Uh, go ahead and pop up that slide, the be aggressive one, maybe. There we go. Be aggressive. Uh, I, I'm going to kind of not act it out for you. I'm actually going to say it for you, but I want you to participate with me the second time through, okay? Uh, there we go. She's going to come up and do the cheers and do the splits and all that sort of stuff. So be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. B-E-A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E aggressive. Be, be aggressive, right? Do we got it? Are you ready for this? One, Michael, you better participate. I'm watching you. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Be aggressive. B, B be aggressive. B e a g g r e s s i v e aggressive. B B aggressive. Give yourself a wow. That's called the RLC cheer squad, and you want to sign up? Meet Pastor Allie. She'll teach you how to do the splits. Right? <laughs> But I think about this idea as we go into a a game and we're aggressive, we realize that there's an opponent and that there's not necessarily a fight that we're fighting, but there's an opponent. There's someone wants to win. Everyone wants to win. You know, I also go back to the days of high school and walking down the hallway and not that I lived in the slums or, but there was, sometimes you would walk up on upon a crowd of people in a circle in the hallway and you'd hear uh, people scuffling on the floor and then it would kind of turn into fight, fight, fight. Anybody ever uh, see that happen in your life? Can I tell you today what I'm wanting to do is to challenge you to realize that there's a lot of fighting going on. But are we fighting for the right things? Are we fighting for the right things? On April 6th, 1893, Andy Bowen and Jack Burke fought the longest fight in history. The the fight lasted 110 rounds over seven hours and 19 minutes. It was reported that the fight went on for so long that the spectators who ended up staying to watch the fight had fallen asleep in their seats. It was also recorded that around uh, 108, Uh, With no clear end in sight, referee John Duffy made the decision that if no winner had emerged in the next two rounds, the bout would be ruled as a no contest. With both men having become too dazed and too tired to come out of their corners, Duffy declared the match as a no contest. Today when we think about this fight, as I read the story of this fight, I hear a man or a people or two men that were determined to win. They were not going to relinquish. They were not going to quit. In your life, have you ever quit anything? How many in this room can be honest to say that you've quit a job before? How many can say that you've been be honest enough that you've quit a relationship before? You've uh, quit a habit before. Those are good quits, right? Those things. But we we have been quit. We we have quit in the past, and we don't really want to be called quitters, do we? You know, that, that has a stigma to it. But today, a current concept that is taking place around our world, it stepped in in 2021, is a phrase called quiet quitting. Anybody hear the phrase quiet quitting? Many authors, uh, Christian and, and, and worldly, have written about it. There's uh, a, if you go on to TikTok and type in quiet quitting, you're going to see reels or videos, whatever. I guess reels is Insta and video, whatever. You, whatever, it's there. Just go look for it. Uh, and type in "quiet quitting." You're going to see people that have are advocates for this concept of quiet quitting. The con- the confusion, and just uh, so you to bring it to clarity is this idea that quiet quitting on the onset, the idea of it was that people were over being feeling overworked in COVID. They were feeling overchallenged. They couldn't accomplish everything that was there at their, t- as their task tasks. And they came back kind of as a revolt to go, I'm going to quiet quit. I'm not really quitting my job, but I'm going to quit doing above and beyond. I'm only going to do what I was hired to do. Uh, I'm not going to get into whether I agree with that or not, but I can also go to the spiritual, spiritual responsibility of us as workers. And there's a, God wants us to be faithful with what we do. But this idea of quiet quitting has now become about coasting in our jobs, of just doing the bare minimum, this idea of quiet quitting. I read an article by James White, and he talked about this idea of quiet quitting. Uh, He says, the entire debate got me thinking about how it's not just about individuals who 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 can quietly quit, but also churches. For a church to quietly quit is for a church to coast, to do the bare minimum, to refuse to engage the mission with every fiber of its being, Yet one can't help but feel that there's some normality to this. Churches content with their size, content with their impact, content with their status quo. Attenders who are more concerned about their own needs being met than seeing someone far from God come to faith. There is simply no intensity or passion in their faith. Everyone say intensity. This word intense is an interesting one. When it comes to movies, there are rated R uh, movies for intense violence. When it comes to sports, we talk about intense rivalries. When it comes to business, we speak about intense competition. When it comes to war, we speak about intense combat. When we talk about something being intense, we mean that exists in a very high degree. This word itself is built off the word intend. Like when we intend to do something, to stretch out for something, to aim at something. So the idea is that if we intend to do something, or excuse me, intend on doing something, to reach out for something, to aim at something, to strive for something, then intensity is the the degree to which we actually do it. He goes on to write to say that Jesus has no stomach for churches who are not being intense about their faith. Jesus said that I know all things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are only lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I wanna, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm actually going to vomit you. This indictment of Jesus that you are neither cold nor hot. You're not on fire, but you're not dead. You're not passionate. You're not cha- thinking about how can I w- change the world. You're not a devout atheist. You're just kind of in the middle, safe, warm, and comfortable. When it comes to the mission of the church, he says, the lukewarm nature of quietly quitting is not an option. Can I tell you today, as a believer of Christ, one who has a purpose for Jesus Christ, one who wants to to live their lives to please him, there is no room for quiet quitting. There is no room for complacency. There is no room for a word that I'm going to call apathy. Apathy. Today, when we think about that in our own lives, we can come back and go, well, no, I'm not. I'm here. I'm faithful. But I want to ask you about the intensity of your faith, the intensity in how you believe, the intensity in how you live your life, the intensity in how you walk with Jesus. Today, we could go to this uh, the opposite of quiet quitting and be a loud quitter. I can tell you after COVID or during COVID, there were a lot of loud quitters. In the sense of going, we're not coming back because you wear a mask. We're not, wearing, we're not coming back because you don't wear a mask. We're not coming back because blah, blah, blah. There were loud quitters. They were very verbal in loud quitting. Can I tell you that there's also loud quitters that may even be in our room today to go, no, I've served and I don't want to serve anymore. I'm done. I've done my part. Can I tell you that's a loud quitter? That's not a quiet quitter. Today, when we think about this idea of complacent quitting, is that it's, not a, it's, not, it's a difference between quiet quitting and even loud quitting. It's just going, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I just don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to give. And when I give, I, I'll, I'll give. I don't need to serve. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life, and I'm not proud of it, that I've slipped into a complacency as a Christ follower. Anybody here ever fall into complacency? Anybody here ever feel a little bit apathetic about your passion and your desire? That their hunger and the thirst really is not there the way that it should be. Maybe today you have coasted in your faith and Jesus is wanting to stir you to become an aggressive faith follower, to be aggressive. Paul talks to Timothy in in Timothy chapter 6 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you want to follow along with me on the screen, open your Bible, whatever you want to do. But this is our passage of Scripture for today. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 21. He says, but you, Timothy, but you, Timothy, O man of God, flee from. Everyone say flee from. Now, if you read the section before that, and I don't have time to do so, he goes to flee from conceit, flee from controversies, flee from quarrels, flee from envy and strife, flee from malicious talk and evil suspicions and corrupt minds. Is that a lot of things that we should be fleeing in our culture today? He says, flee these things. And then he says, pursue. Everyone says, "Pursue." pursue. This word pursue means intense effort means being aggressive, means, means I'm not going to be complacent, I'm going to put effort in this. He says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Everyone say, fight the fight. fight, to fight. Come on, fight the fight. Fight, fight. Fight, fight. fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were good, made, made, uh, when you made the good confession before many witnesses. I charge you, I challenge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who made the good confession in his testimony before Pontius Pilate. Keep this commandment. Everyone say keep this commandment. commandment. Without stain or reproach until the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ which the blessed and only sovereign one the king of kings and lord of lords will bring about his in his own time. He alone is immortal and dwells in an unapproachable light. No one has ever seen him, nor, nor can, anyone see it, can anyone see him. To him be the honor and the glory forever. Verse 17, instruct those who are rich in this present age and not to be conceited and not to put their hope in the uncertainty of wealth, but in God who richly provides all things for us to enjoy. Instruct them to do good. Our faith is going to challenge us to not just be good, but to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, treasuring up for themselves, a firm foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And then he comes back and he adds this, Oh, Timothy, Timothy, I, I appeal to you. Timothy, I care about you. Oh, Timothy, guard what I have entrusted to you. Guard what has been entrusted. Guard this faith, this, not just this belief system, but guard these nuggets of truth. Guard them. Avoid irreverent and empty chatter and opposing arguments of so-called knowledge which some have professed and thus swerved away from the faith. Quiet quitting. They've let go of their aggressiveness, they've let go of their passion and their intensity. Heavenly Father, this morning as your word is so clear and so plain. Would you speak to us this morning? We thank you for the power of it, that it goes and it divides, that it goes and it corrects, that it goes and does surgery and brings absolute change to our lives. God, today I pray that we would be open, not just to the sound of your word and not just the the hearing of your word, but God, that you would challenge us to be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. As I read this passage of scripture, I sense an antagonism. In Paul when you hear someone going Timothy get up and fight you know I can tell you today that many times we as Christians think that we just need to be passive there's a passivity that needs to come and we just need to be quiet and calm and I can believe today that we're not here to fight a person and to fight an agenda we're here to fight the enemy of our souls not just to fight the enemy of our souls, but the enemy of our culture and this climate that we're in. And Paul comes with this antagonistic statement of saying, Timothy, fight. Fight. Get up and fight. Don't be passive. This word, this word fight is one of determination. This, the, it actually is the Greek uh, term uh, agonizome, uh, which actually where we get our word agony from. It's the word that means to struggle over conflict. Faith is an endurance to keep despite the desire to slack off to, to or to quit. Today in this room, you may have been tempted to quit. As we look back over the last couple of years, there have been lots of moments that you may have stepped back to slack off in your commitments. You've slapped, slacked off in your passion and your intensity and your desire. This series, this, this, as we step into it, I want you to realize that either you are fighting or you are losing. Either you are fighting or you are losing. Because this battle is not an easy battle. This battle is not for spectators. If you're spectating, you are gonna get, you're not going to just be a, a, a side shot. You're gonna be, Satan's just going to go, I'm going to just take you out. The question that we needed to find today is who are you fighting and what are you fighting for? There's lots of battle lines, like I said, in society today. Lots of things that we, are, we feel passionate about and we feel like there's got to be justice for. And God may be speaking to you to do something in one of those areas. But can I tell you today, your number one calling as a Christ follower is to fight for the faith. It's to stand in faith is to not shrink back from the faith, is to understand your faith, to place your faith in the right area and the right person and the right entity. This battle today that we're talking about is the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And can I tell you today, I believe that we're in a battle that, it, that has been raging since the beginning of time. It's been raging since Genesis when the fall of man took place and sin came into the world. There's been a battle that has been raging. But I want to present to you today that I truly feel it's the same battle, but I think the battle is more intense than it's ever been. And there's, this is the reason why. We live in a different world today than they lived in that back then. Today, we are surrounded by worldly influence and circumstances, whether it's by our phone or the news and all the access that you and I have for it. Today, our flesh is still the same flesh. It's corrupt, it's broken, and it desires things that it should not desire. How many can say today that you realize your flesh is broken? So Satan's playing with the same idea of going, no, your flesh is broken, I know how to appeal to you. Satan today is not any different than he was then. He's not any more powerful. He's still under the foot of Jesus, but he's still raging in this battle. The world has shifted. The world has changed. The temptation is different. The temptation is more present. Can I tell you today? Just because just as the world has gotten more intense, you as a believer need to step up with your intensity. Just as the world around us has come on with an onslaught and the enemy is fighting to not just devour you, but to attack your family and to attack our cities and to attack our church, that intensity has to increase and that intensity has to come from a heart and a life who's been transformed and changed and actually sees the need. Either you're fighting or you're losing. This word faith that we can look at and we can pull just a a definition out of the dictionary. says, complete trust or confidence in someone or something, strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion. This definition is a sound definition, but it's missing a lot because oftentimes it focuses on this thing of a confidence or a strong confidence. And I, I believe that Mike will be faithful because I've watched Mike be faithful. It's not so much a spiritual belief system. It's more of a, just a common belief system. But then they come with this second idea that it's a strong belief in a God, a set of doctrines or religion. And can I tell you today, what's happened in our culture, what's happened in America, it's what Satan has done is he's tried to deceive you into this idea. Well, that's just a belief system. That's a religion. It's something that's common and everyone has belief systems. It's like Judaism. It's just like Islam, Christianity. It's a belief system. Let's go to the biblical word of faith. Faith is the assurance. Everyone say assurance. That the things revealed and promised in the word of God are true. That means that when you open that book, as you're looking at it today, as we're reading the passage of scripture, you're stepping back and going, no, this book is true. It's not up for debate. And I have the assurance that if I believe it, if I have confidence in it, that it's going to accomplish and do what it says it's going to do. Even though those things may be unseen, it comes back to the believer's conviction and what he expects in faith. I come back and go, so there's a lot of factors in what I'm dialoguing today. And I come back and go, what are your convictions? Are you convicted that the word of God is really true? Do you live as if it's true? One of my favorite definitions of faith is by Philip Yancey. He says, faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Faith is believing in advance, but only will make sense when you're past it and you look back and go, wow, look what God did. Look how God intervened. Can someone, can you in this room identify with that concept when you know you stepped out in faith, even though you didn't see it at the moment and you are able to look back now and go, man, God showed up. Anybody out there? This idea of quiet quitting, Paul did not coast through life. Paul was not a quiet quitter, and Paul was probably, with a different concept and a different idea, was challenging Timothy to say, Timothy, don't quit. Don't lose your intensity. Don't lose your passion. Don't lose this desire. Fight the fight of faith. Don't be passive. So how do we fight? Today, I want to give you three things that I feel are really important in how we fight. Number one, is that a... For fighting to fight, excuse me, fight for, fight for faith with faith. That's kind of my, off my entering moment here. Aggressive faith awakens us. Aggressive faith awakens us. In my age, I don't need a lot of things to waken me up at night because I just don't sleep that well. Anybody else out there that just doesn't sleep that well? So when you have silence and peace, you do, when you're sleeping, you just want to sleep. And you're going to leave me alone. Don't, I don't want anybody to inter, interrupt me. But this idea of aggressive faith awakens us. Faith awakens us, by God, awakens us to God's existence. Faith awakens us to the devil's activity. Faith awak- awakens us to our need for Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Ephesians 5.14, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. When we think about this passage of scripture, we're going, awake, arise from the dead. Does that mean they're dead? No, he's basically saying, arise from the dead state that you are living in. Stir yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be strong. This idea of wake up is to cease sleeping, to become aware of something, to be roused. I think what has happened to us is that we will watch the news and we're aware of a calamity. We will be involved in a circumstance at work and we're aware of the situation and the circumstance. With this idea of that faith awakens us, is not for us to be a quiet standing by person. We may not verbally say something, but can I tell you, in faith we come and we stand. We're roused with something inside of us. We're standing up going, no, there is a spiritual battle that's taking place, and I am not going to be moved. George Whitfield, in 1739, 283 years ago, makes this statement. The Christian world is, a, is in a deep sleep. Nothing but a loud voice can waken them out of it. Can I tell you today, as I look across our world, as I look across sometimes in our church, as I look across the churches in the state of Oregon, as I look across the field of believers, and I go, what has happened to the passion and the zeal and the intensity of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What has happened to the mission? Today, when we have more people going to church, we, are, we have become a weaker entity. Can I tell you, that's not how it should be. There should be strength. Think about this potential of being a fully awakened church. In Acts chapter 1, there were just 120 members of this original congregation. These believers and their passion and in their intensity appeared before God for a 10-day prayer meeting. And as a result of this 10-day prayer meeting, even a more of a greater power and intensity came out of that and by the end of this of the end, uh, end of the 10th day there was over 3000 people that had come into the kingdom of god today when we talk about a church that's awake we need to go back to the book of acts and go holy spirit wake me up yes. holy spirit make me aware that you are the one that can still do make me aware to your healing power make me aware to your redeeming power make me aware to this one who can save and deliver Many times we just step back and go, oh, well, no, yeah, he can. Can I tell you, no, we need to come out, just no, he can't. But no, he can, and I am standing that it's going to happen. Can I tell you today that us, we as believers are responsible for the impact of what's taking place around our world? You and I are responsible for our culture. You and I are responsible not just for our homes, not just for those things that impact us. You and I are responsible to stand in faith, awake and alert to what's taking place. So, Pastor Kevin, where do we need to wake up? We need to wake up to the necessity of faith. Just so you know, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need to wake up to a call to holiness. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness and be made holy because the master has prepared us to do good works. We need to wake up to the power of prayer. First Timothy chapter 2 says, I urge you then, first of all, before anything else, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving should be made for all people. Today, when we talk about awakening of faith, there needs to be an awakening of this concept that God is a God who is at work, that God's calling me to be a holy person because he doesn't, serve, he doesn't serve his presence on dirty platters. Faith needs to awaken my prayer life to come back and go, first of all, before I speak with my flesh, before I do, I need to get on my knees, I need to get on my face, and I need to pray with petitions and supplications. Faith also wakes us up to an urgency of the gospel. Romans chapter 1 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Can I tell you what goes along with an urgency of the gospel? Many times we're not urgent about the gospel because we're not fluent in the gospel. You will say, Pastor Kevin, you're not training us. Can I tell you that every single Sunday, the divine word of truth is open from this pulpit, whether it's from me or someone else on staff. You need to come back and go, am I fluent in the gospel? Because am I studying to show myself approved? Faith is going to stir us. It's going to awaken us. Aggressive faith preserves us. My mom is an avid canterer. She makes the best dill pickles on the planet. You don't buy store-bought dill pickles. You eat hers, and she can't supply enough for everyone else, so I eat them, and you eat (laughs) store-bought. This idea of preservation is to preserve from deterioration to keep alive, to keep free from decay, to keep safe from decomposition. The moment you were born, you began to die. Isn't that comforting? Some of you are further along in the process of dying than others. I'm in the middle. Today I ask you, Are you living preserved? Are you living preserved? Now I'm not talking in this tent that we occupy. Now we need to treat this body as a temple of the Holy Spirit and we need to do our best to do what we can. But I want to ask you in your faith, is your faith being preserved? Faith, faith, aggressive faith preserves you. Noah on the Ark is a story of being preserved by faith. Noah lived in a time of perversion. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says this, that every inclination of the thoughts of, of the human heart was only evil at the time. And God comes and says, I'm going to give you 120 years to fix yourself. I'm going to give you 120 years to come back to what is right. He goes, my spirit will not strive with you forever. When we look at that culture right back at that moment, the thing that kept Noah safe and preserved Noah safe from this generation. Some of the things that they were involved in as this generation was in hot pursuit of prosperity. It was a generation that was ramp, filled with rampant addictions. It was a generation of violence. It was a generation of polygamy. It was a generation of human worship. Can I tell you today in our culture, whether you're watching it or not, it's happening. This is our culture today. Matthew says, as it, as it was in the days of Noah so will it be. You're going, well, what about polygamy? Can I tell you, there's brand new articles that just came out this last week about churches that are now accepting it, far off denominations that are now accepting it. They're not marrying to another partner, but they're allowing another partner to come into the marriage. Can I tell you, that's polygamy. That's not right and righteous in God's eyes. Genesis chapter six says this, so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth, the human race that I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret even have made them. But, everyone say but. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account of, the, of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. He was, a blame, he was blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Can I tell you today, that's the call that God's calling to all of us today. The time that the thing is different than, than Noah is that we have Jesus. So you may not be able to walk this way perpetually, but can I tell you, you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ on your life. Hebrews chapter 11 says this as we fast forward in this story it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he comes to God and must believe that he is. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved. He was moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household, for the preservation of his household, for the preservation of his soul, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness. Noah, by faith, he fought the fight of faith with faith. Think about this. I was reading it out of a commentary. Noah, by faith, built an ark, and Noah had never, never seen a boat before. Noah, by faith, believed it would rain, and in that time there was no rain because the water came up from the ground. Noah, by faith, believed that all the animals would come, and you come back and go, did, did, did Noah even know all the animals? Noah, by faith, believed that the sea would come to his doorstep, and Noah had never seen the sea. Noah, by faith, believed that his wife and his children would stand with him Noah, by faith, believed that the food collected would last. Noah, by faith, believed that God would bring him out of this ark. His aggressive faith was one that preserved him. Lastly today, his aggressive faith activates God. Activates God. If we can step in, we can go, no, this is great. God, God awakened me. God preserved me. But can I tell you the reason that God awakens us and that God preserves us is to actually activate our lives and to activate His power through us? You can come and go, No, I feel preserved. Sometimes you look preserved. Right? Sometimes we behave preserved. Sometimes we go through the motions and we think we're all right and you may get to heaven. That's not up to me. That's up to God. But can I tell you that your life is not just to be a preserved life. Your life is to be an on-fire life. Noah did something and in his doing, his faith caused a preservation that promoted the kingdom of God. Aggressive faith activates us. Hebrews 11:1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, everyone say the evidence. Can I tell you what was so amazing about Wednesday night in our prayer time? Is that it was evident that God was in this place. As we prayed, there was an evidence, an assurance that God was not just going to do something, but God was actually doing stuff. Shock of all shocks, right? Can I tell you the purpose of our faith is to activate him to move? Faith activates the power of God in our our lives and in our circumstances. Your faith can activate God's power. Your faith is his catalyst for God to do amazing things. When we look at the New Testament, we look at the life of Jesus. Faith, actual faith set things in motion. We see people, the woman who had an issue of blood, it was by her faith as she reached out to Jesus. It wasn't because she touched his garment, it's because there was a multitude of people touching him. It was actually this faith inside of her that as she touched his robe, it activated the power of God in her life. Right after that, we can see Jesus talks about that he went into Nazareth, and he says that he could not do many miracles there. It doesn't say he did not, it says he could not. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Today, when we come, there is something that God wants to stir in you and me. I'm not satisfied. I am not satisfied with what God's doing at Relevant Life Church. I'm not satisfied with what God is doing in this city of Salem. I'm coming back and going, God, my faith, help my faith, how my unbelief. God, I want to activate your power. Corey Tenboom says this, if you, have the, if you have the faith, God has the power. I love that. If you have the faith, God has the power. Faith must be stirred up and poured out. Think about a glass of chocolate milk. My granddaughter loves chocolate milk and when we come, we don't buy the gallon and you pour out, we actually mix it with the Hershey syrup. And there's times that she'll be coming and she loves chocolate milk and she won't just drink one, she'll drink two glasses of chocolate milk. But if she lets it sit too long, what happens to the chocolate? It all, stir, it all settles to the bottom. She'll come and say, oh, Peepaw, can you stir this up? She wants it all mixed. She doesn't want to just drink plain milk when she's drinking chocolate milk and it's all settled at the bottom. Can I tell you today, Paul tells us that we need to fan into flame the fire that's within us, fan into flame this faith that we're to be living by. As I alluded to, faith is the most prominent word in religion. Sometimes the word refers to a, this entire religious system. Sometimes it refers to doctrines. But the most, uh, most of the time, the, this idea of, of faith refers to our personal response to God. When Paul is talking here, when he says, when he's talking about faith, he's talking about our daily, our moment by moment, our trust in God. When our faith is put to work, when it is active, when it's not passive, it releases the power of God. Hebrews chapter 11, a powerful, powerful chapter on faith. It says, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Joseph, by faith, Moses, parents, by faith, Moses, by faith, the people, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell, by faith, Rahab, the prostitute. And then he goes on and says, I don't even have time to talk about these exploits of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. Today, oftentimes we come back and go, oh, well, look what, faith, look what Abel did. Look what Noah did. And I want to come back and correct that statement that we have a right perspective. It was by faith that they did it. Can I tell you that by faith, when you look at all of the things that they achieved, I think of faith being sometimes looks really, really stupid. Sometimes very, very ridiculous. If you're wondering if it's by faith, you need to step back and go, is this comfortable or is it uncomfortable? Many times you and I are functioning by our comfort. We're comforting and going, no, my faith, I want it to feel good. I want it to feel a warm fuzzies. Can I tell you, faith is uncomfortable by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says, that, verse 33, it says, "Who These people who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fir- fire of, of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who, and who became powerful in battle. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Can I tell you, that's aggressive faith. Any of that? Any, anybody want to participate in this kind of outcome? It goes on. It says that others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin and they were destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered. In the deserts and mountains. You come back and go, Who are these unnamed people? There's no name to them. These poor souls. Can I tell you, they were willing to do it all because they had an aggressive faith that they knew was activating God. Today, you and I, we face circumstances and we want to retreat. Kevin faces circumstances and I want to run and hide. I love the blessing of faith when it feels good. But all of these people are people that pursued this life of faith. Hebrews 10 39 says this, we do not belong to those who shrink back. This faith that I'm talking about this morning, if you want to participate in this kind of faith, you want to be part of the Hebrews hall of of fame, you're a person who says, I will not shrink back. I will not retreat. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care if they're going to lop off my head. I don't care what they're going to do to me. I will not quit. It says because they had faith and they were saved. What I see in this is that of faith from all these illustrations is what they did, they did by faith. They didn't do it out of their own strength today, you and I, we get confident in our abilities, thinking I'm just going to do it. And can I tell you today, God wants us to step into ridiculous faith. God wants us to step into a conviction that is not reliant upon you. It's reliant completely upon him. This idea of living by faith was moving against the prevailing tide of public opinion. Can I tell you, they were mocked and they were persecuted and they had their heads lopped off. And today in America, today in the city of Salem, today in Relevant Life Church, God is looking for a people that are going to stand up and go, I don't care. I'm going to go against the tide. I'm going to go against the tide. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be swayed. I am going to stand and I'm going to stand there for. If you look at this, this demonstration of faith was not rare. It was common. If you look at these heroes of faith, it was a common thing. And you come in and you go, well, Pastor Kevin, I can't do that. Can I tell you today? It's why the book of Hebrews chapter, or the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 ends the way it does, is because it's an ongoing process. You're still writing that chapter. You're still running the race. He's looking for people to go. Phil is Phil kept the faith. Jesse, he walked by faith. Julie, she walked by faith. Jacob, he did it by faith. Today. I challenge you to go. Are you willing to be a person of faith? This next few weeks, as we step into the series, we're going to be talking about this idea of faith. Faith awakens, faith preserves, and faith activates. The question I ask you today are you hindering God by your faith? You say, Can I really hinder God? Your faith stops him from from acting. Your faith causes him to act. I want to be a people. I want to be a a person, a group, a, a church, a city that is impacting with my faith. I love the Olympics, and one of my favorite stories as I close is this. A runner from Tanzania, John Stephen Akwari, he was from Tanzania he, he, who competed in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. When he took part in the men's marathon, he started out as one of 74 participants set to run the 20, 26.2 mile race. Together, the runners took off at 3 p.m., the hot, hottest part of the day. A few hours later, everyone had either crossed the finish line or dropped out of the race, everyone except John. Early in the race, his calf muscle started cramping. Mexico City stands at an elevation of seven, 7,350 feet and Tanzania stands at an elevation of 660 feet. John had not trained at that altitude and it affected his body almost to the halfway point as he struggled to run with the cramping. There was some jockeying for position between runners and John was hit and he fell to the ground onto the pavement, dislocating, his, dislocating and wounding his knee and injuring his shoulder. After his Wounds were bandaged on the sidelines. He stepped back into the race and he kept on running. For almost an hour, John hobbled and he fell again and he got up and he hobbled and he fell again and he did it some more and he kept on going. At times, he even dragged himself only to rise up and to stumble through. Officials begged him to stop to drop out of the race, but he would not. When he finally shuffled into the stadium, most of the spectators had already left. It had been almost a half hour since the last runner had crossed the finish line. But to the applause and cheers of the remaining fans, he limped over the finish line into the arms of the medics. When John was asked why he didn't drop out of the race, he answered and said this, my country did not send me to Mexico to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And I ask you today, are you fighting to finish? Are you fighting a faith that's going to persevere? Are you fighting a faith that's awake and preserved? Are you fighting a faith that has activated the power of God and wants to activate the power of God? Paul finishes the second book of Timothy in chapter 4, and he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Today, I don't know where you're at in your race. Today, maybe some of you are going to step back in and start all over in your race. But can I tell you, Paul, as he looked back, he starts off saying, Timothy, run, fight, don't give up, fight, don't quit. Paul comes at the end of it going, wow, I made it, I made it. I fought and I ran and it was hard, but I didn't give up. Church today, I'm not talking about easy Christianity. I'm not talking about warm feelings. I'm talking about fight the fight. I'm talking about be aggressive, be, be aggressive. I'm talking about get back to the very root of who you are in Jesus Christ. God, in the name of Jesus, across this room online, I sense that your Holy Spirit is moving and doing a work in our hearts and lives. If you are here today and you feel you need to respond to an aspect of this service, whether it's uh, that you need to have your faith awakened, whether you need to be preserved, whether you need to be activated, across this room, would you just lift your hands? Cross this room, just lift your hands. God, today we are not here to spectate. We're here to participate. God, we are not here just to observe what you can do in someone else's life. God, we don't want to be left behind. God, we want our life. We want our faith to be an aggressive faith. God, would you stir me? Say that, God, stir me. Come on, God, stir me. God, awaken my heart and my passions. Awaken my intensity. God, if I have quietly quit, please, God, forgive me. God, give me a tenacity to run this race. God, today, God, people are feeling withered by this culture. And God, we need to step into an aggressive faith that preserves in spite of trials in spite of the hardships, in spite of what the world is dealing, at, dealing us. And God, today I pray for a renewing of heart and mind and excitement. God, a preservation to step in. God, that where decay normally would be, God, there would be growth and life and vibrancy. And God, today I pray, God, for all of us, help us to be a people that prays, with such faith that it activates you to move. By faith, by faith. God, let our lives be described as people who lived by faith. God, I pray that you would stir us out of comfort zones. God, would you cause us to step into the uncomfortable? Would you cause us to step into the daring? God, would you help us to be ridiculous for your sake? God, when you speak to us, help us to respond with, yes, Lord, I will do. And God, we thank you for it. God, I know the desire of your heart is that we don't just fight, but that we finish and that we keep the faith. So God, today, help us to declare with Paul that I fought and I am fighting. And God, I've kept it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You don't want to miss the next few weeks. We've got a power-packed sermon series that's going to challenge you and it's going to inspire you. How many want God to change your life? Come on, I've got three of you. How many want God to change your life? Amen. God, in the name of Jesus, do it. As you're here, as you're leaving today, thank you so much for coming. Our prayer team is coming across the front. They would love to pray with you. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of healing. We believe in the power of just change. And so if you need someone to agree with you, they are here to do so. We'll see you at Connect Us right after at 1245 at South Campus if you're coming. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. Have an amazing week. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.